Hello. Hi. Welcome to the Gecko Gamescast. Sitting yeah, across the virtual room from me is the incredibly suave Rich Meister. How's it going, Eric? It's it's going well. Um, it's hard to be suave in lockdown. I you pull it off well. It is Sunday. Thanks. July 12th, but when you were listening to this, it will be the 15th, because we do Wednesdays, yeah. right? Yeah, we do Wednesdays, Wednesday it, mornings. It is um, a hot summer afternoon. It is, it is, and I have been playing some games this week, because I actually, you know what, I took the opportunity of uh, our swell sort of before the next big release, uh, which I guess is Ghost of Tsushima Day, uh, to beat some stuff I should have played a while ago is that that's on tuesday right that's or is that a friday release it's the 17th i think it's a friday release yeah i woke up this morning and i said hey that game's coming out yeah but is that and and, uh paper mario launch on the same day yeah Um, yeah. and we can talk about that a little bit when we get to it because i now now watching that detail drop on how the paper mario combat works i definitely actually want to play it yeah yeah i uh when they showed a few gifs of it on their social media channels and uh they kind of were dripping you some of the content there, I, I was interested in it. As long as it didn't... Do you understand? Because we can kind of cover that now. Do you, we can. Do you get how it works? Uh, I would I would appreciate if you explained it to me. Okay, basically, when combat starts, uh, there's, like, these dials you turn, and Mario is in the center, mm-hmm. and the enemies surround him. Uh, there's While there are RPG mechanics in it still, there's no experience or leveling or anything like that. Basically, you want to line up uh, the enemies so Mario can hit as many of them as he can in one go using different sort of attacks. Mm-hmm. Basically, the combat is all puzzle-based. Like, there is a correct way to handle every combat encounter to be as effective as possible. And that's something that I actually dig. Okay, so my line of thinking on that was at least correct. I was also wondering if there was probably the optimal route each and every time for certain encounters. Yeah, they confirmed that they're like there's a there is a most efficient path in every combat encounter. Yeah, I figured that too. I wonder if that means that um No, I guess they can just mix it up however they like because there's always going to be that optimal route. I kind of dig that though. Um I I imagine that it's not going to go so well with some people. I'm sure some people yeah. would like the simplicity of it all to just be more turn-based like a uh, the predecessors were, but uh I have to say I I I can't I can't say Nintendo doesn't try to be innovative. I really, you can't at times, you know? Even with Sticker Star and all that, they, they, they really do try to change things up every now and again. It, it seems like they did away with the Sticker Star and Color Splash stuff that didn't work, which was the problem for me. Like, Sticker Star and Color Splash kept some of that stuff around. Um, there were abilities in those games that you basically couldn't get past certain bosses without. Um, and it was fucking frustrating. Yeah, it reminded me of... um. The Twilight Princess effect, where Zelda was... That Zelda was so incredibly on the nose with the items you would get. Like, you had to use the item that you received in the dungeon for that dungeon and that boss. And then when you got out, chances are that you never really had to utilize them too much afterward. Hardly ever again. You You know what I always think of? Because it was such a good item that was so underutilized. The spinning top from Twilight Princess. Is that like the Wrecking Ball kind of thing, or is that different? That... No, no, you're thinking you're thinking of that literal like giant flame. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> remember the um, yeah. 
it was literally like a goddamn giant Beyblade you rode on. Mm. Um, and you can ride on the walls with it and everything. Yeah, and that boss yeah, yeah. fight is amazing. You're fighting that skeletal, like, sand snake, and you ride on the walls with it as it chases behind you, and then you kind of bounce into it to knock its jaw loose. Um, yeah. But then there were, in that dungeon, there were these doors that you could use the top to open. Like, you pop it in there and, like, kick at it, and it opens the door. Mm-hmm. And after that dungeon, that was basically the only time you ever used it. It's like, occasionally you'd find one of those doors. Yeah, and honestly, when it came to a game like that, I would have appreciated if they just got rid of the item at the end of it. And just kept the uh, the core Almost items like, that were applicable um, to you, such as the hookshot or the arrows. Well, that makes me think of, like, A Link Between Worlds, how you could rent items. Yeah. Sort of tackle the dungeons in any order you want. Like, you'd find a sign that's like, okay, this dungeon needs the hookshot and the bombs. So you'd go back to uh, the the rabbit guy, whose name I fucking forget, and you'd rent the hookshot and the bombs from him. I actually like the whole Rabbiton auction system. Not auction system, buying system, because uh, his name's not Rabbiton, by the way. Um, I don't remember what his name is. I just remember he. I'll call him like Rabbiton. Rabbit. Uh, I I really dug that system too. And I when I actually f- played that the first time, I thought that they were taking notes from Twilight Princess because, um, in in previous iterations of Zelda, I really didn't care, like if you got a new item and something because they seem practical in nature. Like say the fire arrows, ice arrows, and and there were more, many times where you went back and you used those very items. Hookshot being the one that was most predominantly used in pretty much any Zelda, but um, in Twilight Princess especially, it seems like they just amped everything up to 12, and they were just like, yo, you think think Link is strong? How about this wrecking ball? And you're just like, and then they just give it to you after the dungeon. They're like, yeah, try to give that a whirl outside in the real uh, world. Just carry this around with you. Yeah, try to give that a whirl. And it really uh, propelled that infinite backpack space theory to new heights, because where the hell is he keeping all this to? Including his top. <laughs> just so weird. It, it was, again, it's always my favorite thing of, like, being, like, Hyrule, like, temple designers. And be like, and there's plenty of places in here we don't want people going. Uh, so you need this special top contraption to get through. Oh, where are you going to hide it? I'm going to put it right here. I'm going to put it right here in my, uh, my pocket, of course. Where would you put it? <laughs> right here on the first floor of the building. Where we, next to the map and the compass. Where would you put it? <laughs> yeah, but, um... Going back to Paper Mario, though, I actually... I didn't really, I didn't play Color Splash, I didn't play Sticker Star, uh, mainly just because I did not hear good things at the time, and I didn't think that it was worth the money then. It seemed all pretty Color straightforward. Splash fails to fix the shortcomings of Sticker Star, like it fixes some of them, but some of the bigger ones are still glaringly there. Uh, the more I read about this, the more it seems like it is taking into account the things that didn't work about those games. Yeah, and I'm really curious just to see how... Uh, how the story goes, because I don't expect Citizen Kane out of my Paper Mario stories. I, I really do. don't. But um, uh, unless you, <laughs> who could forget in Paper Mario One where Mario closes his eyes and just goes Rosebud as he fades <laughs> off. I expect the return of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Koopas. <laughs> yeah, just fun little things like that. Even in Super Mario RPG. Um, there's always this level of absurdity to it all. That I even, I feel that the Alpha Dream games, the Mario and Luigi Superstar games, um, they kind of fell into this rhythm of comedy. And, uh, they always had the same formula, yeah, to be slapstick, shit on Luigi for a little bit. Which was really, you know, in Dream Team, I thought that they handled that very well because, uh, it was the first game where they legitimately dived into Luigi's psyche. 
and how he felt in, like kind of incompetent or inferior to Mario. And I was like, man, I stopped for a moment. I was thinking, this is some pretty heavy shit. But then, then they, they kind of uh, catapult you into, uh, what was it, Paper Jam? And then they're just yeah. like, yeah, I'll forget all that shit. Now we're in oh, Paper that's, World. That's exa- <laughs> like, no, okay. that's exactly what I was going to forget. Never forget, they dial it back 100% in Paper Jam, where the setup for the game is this is all Luigi's fault. Because he was dusting, and he sneezed and knocked the paper book down. Well, that yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's It's like, in one game, you have actual character development what i saw which i thought was um pretty wild in a, in a mario luigi game i really didn't expect that um and i really enjoyed the story even if it kind of slogged on a bit i was kind of invested i was like how is luigi ever gonna cheer himself up after this because everybody just eternally shat on him so it was kind of, but yeah in paper jam they were just like hey everybody luigi peed his pants again and everyone's just laughing at him I'm like oh so we're just throwing all that shit out <laughs> the like, window why do <laughs> Like we learned, I'm like so we we it's like the Seinfeld effect. Everybody learned nothing, and they're all just terrible people at their core. It doesn't matter. And also, like Luigi now purposely outnumbered as his party is now composed of him and two Mario. <laughs> exactly, it's like double the abuse. Um, but this Actually, one seems uh, like it'll be funny. I I'm hoping that uh, yeah, they really don't focus too hard on the uh, slapstick, but. I, while still retaining some of that charm that the other Paper Mario's had, um, it, it's it looking good so far, I do have to say. I'm excited to at least just see how it reviews. I'm going to keep an eye on it, yeah. Um, I will say, by the way, though, Paper Jam does have one of my favorite bits ever, uh, which is when the Bowsers team up, Bowser and Paper Bowser, mm-hmm. and Peach and Paper Peach are captured by them, and Peach goes through this whole speech about how they're in the cage and how will they ever escape, and Paper Peach just turns to her side and walks out of the room. <laughs> And that's funny. Like, I, I always like a good thing like that. One of the main things that I really enjoy about the Paper Mario series, or actually just any Mario RPG series, is how much of a dick Bowser is. And uh, he's just unapologetically an asshole. And I really dig that. But that's what I'm saying. They go he's back to Luigi, where Bowser just says, Hey, Luigi, you're lame. And then uh, Lumi goes, Yeah, you are, man. And I'm like, dude, what? That's your boy. I'm not trying to shit on you or anything, but he's making some pretty good points. Yeah, but I'm like, that's your boy, man. You don't do that. Like, come maybe on. you, maybe you are an asshole. <laughs> like, come on. Um, but yeah, I'm on the lookout for that. Ghost of Tsushima, though, I have to say that that's probably I'm not. I'm probably not gonna buy it on release because I'm still finishing up a few things. But um, if I am gonna buy a game, it's most likely going to be that first. It, it, looks it just really looks good. so incredible. The more I see uh, it. The more I see of it, the more I want it. It just looks so good. Weird note, uh, the Sucker Punch got permission, uh, the blessing of the Kurosawa estate, so that black and white photo mode filler, fil- uh, mode is now called Kurosawa mode. Incredible. Oh, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I am gonna play the game completely in black and white mode. I, I have to. It's it gonna look so cool. just like that. Like, and I think, like, that good contrast with the blood and everything. Yeah. Like, it looks fucking fantastic. Even when the, you have those dueling shots and you can take the, I, I can't, I've never truly utilize the photo mode uh in any game that i've ever played including the last of us or otherwise and this is kind of the first one where i was like man i can't wait to just dig into this and just take some pics i um in the game i played this week i actually played around with the photo mode for a little bit because there were some really good sweeping shots in that game yeah uh, yeah but i'll talk talk about that in a minute i want you finally beat the last of us too i did i beat it last night what did you think um, I feel like I always talk about The Last of Us 2 with you for about a good half of the cast, so I'll just say that overall, I uh, felt that the end 
the way that it had ended and progressed was a little unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of felt tacked on. If you want to call it the quote-unquote epilogue to it all, um, I thought there was just a little bit more that Naughty Dog was giving us that really wasn't necessary. I enjoyed it. Um, the the whole package, my... I still think, is a 10 out of, I, I still think the whole package is a 10 out of 10 in my book. I do. Um, do, do you agree with my sentiment that that last bit feels more like the beginning of a part three? It does, than, and that's why epilogue. it just doesn't feel like it has a Natural. part in there. Yeah, it kind of just felt like there was just more to it. Like the game was telling you, hey, guess what? There's going to be a little bit more that we're going to go into in terms of exposition that we feel like you should know. And you know what? Well, hold and on, is the point, a good point. Is, At 45 seconds, I'm going to go, okay, skip to 16 minutes if you don't want to get spoiled. I'm going to do it in three, two, one. Okay, so I think that the the point where you're fist fighting Abby one last time, I kind of just, while I was going through that entire sequence after saving her from the Rattlers, I was thinking, what am I doing? Like, what, what am I doing as a player? Why have we come this far? Yeah, yeah. and I'm not, I, I definitely took a pause for a second because I genuinely just felt like, what is, like, what is going on here? And it wasn't in the way that the writers probably expected you to feel. Actually, I should say that they, that's probably the feeling they wanted you to have, a distinct feeling of why, like, why, oh, why, like stop. Why did we come this far, yeah. Yeah, like, just stop. It's too far. You're kind of just letting all the... But I really didn't kind of think of it in that way. I actually thought just, what what is the game itself doing at this point? Well, it really I wasn't think... for the characters. I think the picture they were trying to paint, and it might be an unnecessary uh, picture to paint at that point, was that a degree of Ellie's mission was like a self-loathing mission, which is kind of like wrenched up by that, like what they eventually reveal to be her final exchange with Joel, where like the last thing she says to him is, my life could have meant something and you took that from me. Like that she kind of hates herself for being like a form of survivor's guilt almost, I guess. For sure. I think that... That scene with Joel on the porch still could have occurred. Um, if when anything, Tommy I think over. that would have been a more impactful end. I think um, when Tommy first came over afterward, when she's living with Dina and laid out the map and said, I know where she is, genuinely, when she was looking at him longingly in that way for a moment, kind of conflicted, I think she then should have had that flashback with Joel. And she should have looked at Tommy and just said, listen, I'm sorry, but we need to let it go. Like, I'm done, yeah. Yeah, and I think that she should have looked at Dina, the baby, and just lived her life, and I think the story wouldn't have suffered for it. I understand what they were going for, and I still enjoy it, but I just think that introducing a new faction, like the Rattlers, not saying anything about them either. Like, I actually picked that entire compound clean in terms of exposition. I really didn't learn anything about them. It just all seemed really unnecessary. Well, here's the thing, and we got a minute here, so I'm going to pitch you what I think a potential part three would be in 60 seconds. Um, I wanted to pick up with Lev and Abby joining this new Firefly faction. Uh, Tommy gets word that the Fireflies have reunited and are trying to do whatever it is they want to do. He informs Ellie, who Ellie wants to see if they have anyone possible of producing a cure. Basically, she wants to offer herself up again. Mm -hmm. Uh, so her and Tommy make their way to the Fireflies in Santa Barbara, uh, but when they arrive, uh, the conflict will arise when Abby is there and a part of things, and Ellie, of course, lied to Tommy and told him that she killed Abby so he would have peace of mind. Yeah. And it's just with Tommy's current characterization, I don't know. 
It, it, He's it's so a lot. It, fucking busted. Yeah, he'll take a long time to forgive, and I hope, and I don't think that his marriage with Maria is broken either. I think eventually they'll reconnect and um, come together again. But that's what I'll say on the game. I, I still think that, and I know we're hitting sixteen, so this isn't going to be a spoiler anymore. But um, regardless, I think that the game is a ten out of ten. Uh, I think that graphically, mechanically, it is one of the best games I have played because um, the responses were so tight. Yeah, you could argue that the AI was a little incompetent. I think AI is a tough one to get down. It's better it in down to spots. It. Like, I wish more games would do that thing it does where you're, like, hiding under something and someone will just grab you by the ankle and fucking drag you out. Yeah. I fucking love shit like that. And even all that being said, I do not fault people for treating that game as nothing more than a fanfic and still holding on to your original. I really don't. I, um, even at the end, I was like, man, that was a, that was a good alternative take as to what could have happened in this universe. Even if it is a direct sequel, um, whenever I just play anything that I feel wasn't really necessary in terms of story, but still released and it was still really solid, I, I usually just pack up the game and I say, you know what, that was a really good way to tell kind of, uh, what could have happened in that universe. Um, because I just hold the original in such a high regard that I'm thinking, you know, it also could have just ended the way it did. And that's fine. I still give props to everybody. The emotional acting, the graphics, the behavior, the rigging that they did to the carry. It, it's all just so, so fucking impressive um, that you can tell why it took like seven to eight years and people literally killing themselves over making it. Um, and yeah, I'll, you'll always say that, you know, people, there's crunch and the whole Naughty Dog controversy of all that. But you know what? You could tell they wanted to be there, those workers, and that they were working on something that they wanted to kind of leave behind to the world, and uh, I'm grateful for it. it. It was a good game. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, I kind of burned through something uh, over the course of the week. I'm very uh, curious to hear what you thought about this one. I, I fired up Game Pass finally, and so many people have been telling me I need to play A Plague Tale. Mm-hmm. This very game's good fun. game. Very this good fucking game. game is great. Um, ha- had you played it? No, I watched it. This is actually one of the few um, games that I actively watched. This game's really fucking good, and it kind of goes places you don't expect. Um, I think there's more of a supernatural element to it than I had initially realized. Um, but I got through it in, like, three or four days. Um, I wish I had played it more so at the time. It might have been, like, a game of the year contender for me. Um, it does a lot of good, pure stealth stuff. Uh, and then it kind of expands its, its combat a little bit more. I mean, towards the end, you kind of are a powerhouse in a lot of uh, terms. Like, you could just basically knock anybody out. But I thought the plot was good. The game looks pretty gorgeous. I played around with the photo mode for a little bit. All in all, very... I don't want to say pleasantly surprised, because I knew to expect good things at this point. But uh, I, enjoy it. I enjoy it quite a bit. Lots of rats. <laughs> Always lots of rats. They're all over the place. A New York City tale, as I like to call it. Yeah, no, the game takes place in New York. That's. I think that's the big reveal at the end where I'm the, shocked. The fr- where it pans out and it's the <laughs> Upper East Side. <laughs> I was so shocked. It was kind of like a Planet of the Apes kind of deal where yeah, it pans out and you see the Empire State Building. And, uh, despite, you see the rats. despite taking place in 1348. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the trick. It's 13, It's 1300s, but after something happened. But, um, I'm going to, I'll end up editing this out. I'm going to have us take a quick second here, because i got a very howly dog right now. Yeah, go ahead. But what Rich didn't realize is that I will not let him cut this out. In fact, I am now going to announce that I will take over the podcast once again. 
The only other game that I'm going to be beating on my docket, you ask, that I'm not going to talk about when Rich comes back, it's just Final Fantasy VII. Um, I'm up to the Shinra Tower, and I had heard that that was a very big portion of the game, or at least the last of it, kind of. That lasted a, quite a long time. But then The Last of Us 2 came out in late June, and uh, I kind of had to put it down for a little bit because I really wanted to play it, but now that I'm kind of in this stride, the order that I was hoping to get to would be Final Fantasy VII Remake, and then I dive right into uh, Ghost of Tsushima afterward, because I'm just really looking forward to that one before ending it off with a nice little nightcap of Persona 5, because um, I've been really wanting to beat that game for some time. But that's uh, that's currently the uh, on my docket, but Rich is never going to know that. Also, oh, I actually forgot, there's probably going to be an interjection in between there with Curse of the Moon 2. I'm going to talk to this, about, I'm going to talk with this about Rich too, actually, but, uh, Curse of the Moon came out last Friday, I think it was July 10th, and apparently it has over, like, 10 hours worth of content if you want to play through all the branches. I can understand how people would probably just want to play the base game. I think the base game is only a couple of hours long, like any other platform, remind you, in the Castlevania genre, but, uh, I don't know, I'm going to give it a shot. Oh, he's coming back, let's see what happens. Oh, hey, man. What's going on? Sorry about that. Oh, um, totally fine. Everything was totally normal. Nothing happened. It seemed it. Uh, I wanted to uh, actually continue now that I can focus. Uh, what I was saying about A Plague Tale really quick. Uh, yeah. Just because I, I guess I was, I really like the cast. I, like I, You said you watched the whole thing through. Yes. Uh, Amicia, Hugo, the surprisingly large supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say knowing what I knew about this game. And then... Uh, it's hard to talk about this without, I guess, getting spoilery. I'm gonna try and not spoiler here. I mean, this game has been out for since last May. Of okay, last yeah. Year. So fuck it. So, you can skip back. Yeah, honestly, it's a May 2019 game. I think you're fine. Yeah, I'm just gonna talk about it. Sure. Towards the end, when you get Hugo's ability to like control rats, mm-hmm. um, I think the early sections of that it works in frustrating ways. Yeah. Like because later when you're back with Amicia. And it's just one of your wheel options. Like, you can openly move through crowds of rats. Mm-hmm. When you are using Hugo the first time, you need to, like, move rats aside and move past them or they'll eat you. And you can't, like, properly move the character and move the rats at the same time. And it leads to, like, obnoxious camera angles. And basically the section where you're escaping the castle with your mother sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's the worst part of the game. I agree. Also, um... I think it gets kind of a uh, kind of silly towards the end when uh, you. What do you finally... mean? Like when you fight the when you fight uh, the the Pope, the, the fucking inquisitor, inquisitor, the High Inquisitor, and you both have giant rat armies. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Vitalis, or is it Vitalis? I don't even know how to pronounce it. But it's um, Vitalis. Yeah, you go to the. <laughs> yeah, because now because it's coming back to me now. Yeah. The, at the end of that game, what really stuck out to me is that it got so that boss fight wacky. is so dumb. It got so wacky. Uh, because Vitalis is like, Hugo, you have your rats, but I have my genetically bred super rats that only <laughs> he just has I can rats. control. And he just, it's just a tower of rats. You literally launch <laughs> rat tornadoes at each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, it got so ridiculous. And uh, Hugo's like, I also have my rats. And they're just rat fighting. And I'm just wondering at the whole time, like, you think the rats are just like, 
I don't want to do this. They're also, just like, leave me alone. My favorite bit of it is that you like, it's like, all right, Hugo, slam him with the rats so I can then just throw a rock at this old man's head. Literally, literally the best weapon in the game was not the rats, but the very rock that just crashed into your skull. Uh, it, it was just, uh, and then all of a sudden, after that encounter, the rats in the plague are gone. That's it. Like, a couple of days later, done. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. We, like, had, a, we and, had a good and run. And then there's, like, an epilogue, which is like, are they going to do another one? I don't Where know. Like, I feel like this is one of those games that ended on the what-if kind of deal, but I don't because think Because they, they were basically driven out of France. They were. Because everyone's like, that's the weird kid, what controls the rats? <laughs> and I can't, I couldn't blame the people either. You had this kid just stroll into town just like v Vitalis and uh, just controls thousands of rats. I'd want him out too. Um, the best, out. what's funny actually is you mentioned that how ridiculous that Vitalis fight is. Uh, and I am working on a write-up for this, but I think the Sir Nicholas fight is way better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, at the end, it, got, it just got ridiculous. Just because like, it's not, like, the idea isn't, like, my ridiculous rat abilities. The Vitalis fight is just, like, you need to catch him off guard, put out the fires, and then hit him with a small swarm of rats. Yeah. Like, which that, like, literally I get, I did not expect them to start playing into this Pied Piper shit by the end. That's the way it's gotta be. But I, but, uh, I really dig it, good. though. And, yeah, that's if that's free on Game Pass, I think it's been free on Game Pass for a while. Yeah, should, it's on uh, Game Pass. That up. It, it's a really good game. I think that, does game that have Pass. a photo mode, too? I don't think yes, so. Yes, it does. Yeah, it oh, does. it does. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I love how these games are just normalized now to have these photo modes. I think they're fantastic. Um, It's also a very beautiful game. It, it really I took is. some shots uh, in the levels where you're headed into the city because mm -hmm. there are some really good skyline shots you can get, like... Um, and it, like halfway through the game, you start basically going into larger French cities, and it's such a distinct look from earlier in the game. It, it's a it's a really good looking game. It, also, uh, rest in peace, Arthur. Uh, I feel like he got to do nothing in the plot, nope. and then was killed for no reason. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's totally true. He really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think like, about that. He he's gone like ten minutes after you meet him. He comes back and he's like, "Hey, I think this is a bad idea. We should leave." And then ten minutes while well, everyone's like, "We should stay because it's safe here." And then he gets killed because they don't leave. These are uh, these are the types of characters that you don't notice at the end of like a movie or a television show. But if you read this in a script, yeah, like, you just why notice the character exist? fades away without any real, um significance and you're just thinking that there's actually some funny thing i it was something a bunch of social media network groups have been doing i think it was uh, like netflix and other media companies who were I, well, maybe it was just netflix i'm sorry who took their shows and um kind of spliced the very first line that a character had said and then the last line of that series that a character had said and i had never seen some of these shows before i came recant them to you because i forgot but some of the last lines that people had said were so benign and just ridiculous. Oh, one of them was Gilmore Girls. And I'm not shitting on Gilmore Girls. Frankly, I, I watched a few episodes one time a long while ago and it was fine. But you could just tell that some characters clearly had no place in the world because they were just like... They ended... They started the series with something maybe kind of profound or funny. And then at the end of the series, they're like, Oh, so you want coffee with that? And that was the last line and that they ever the had in their series. And you're just had. thinking... If I was the actor, I'd be like, is that it? <laughs> that's the end Ringo, of it all? That's your swan song. That's it. That's the swan song. Um, well, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I thought about this. This is something I was thinking about, and I know why Arthur exists. 
he was a plot device because they needed a reason to go back to the Bastille. Yeah, imagine uh, living your entire life as a plot device for somebody else's. That's rough. That's a rough hand. Because it was literally like, it wasn't enough reason to like force them back into the city. I guess they would have just looked at Hugo otherwise and been like, sorry, guess you'll die. And, <laughs> and he just goes, okay, rat that boy. Seems, that seems fine. <laughs> he just shrugs and the rats take him. Rat boy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoyed Plague Tale. I, it was one of those games though, after I watched it, I was like, I don't need to play this, but it, it was a, uh, it was an interesting game with interesting mechanics. You can throw acid at people. You can, I saw that. And you could also sling rocks, so. Yes, le- yes, Let you yes, form you your own opinion uh, on those games. Best upgrade in that is the, the last upgrade for the sling, which makes it silent, so you could just murder people and nobody is has silent any idea sling? where you are. How does that work? I don't know. The strings are now strong enough that they don't make a snapping sound when you throw a rock. I don't know about that. Stop. Seems a little bit more. Seems a little bit fantastical for my Stop. taste. But in a Stop. game about controlling rats, I guess what isn't you know? That's fair. That's fair. I uh, uh, yeah. one of the games that I am gonna play eventually would be, is going to be Curse of the Moon two. I yes, that's out. on principle I didn't get it yet, just because I had a few other games that I wanted to beat. Because like I'm gonna, you're waiting for Boss Rush mode to be out on Thursday. Is that a, is that a coming to That's the game? The, fir- the first update on Thursday. Oh, very cool. Um, I was gonna get it, but I wanted to beat Final Fantasy Remakes. That was what I promised myself I'd beat after The Last of Us. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna get that game. Um, I was watching Dan Riker play it on his stream because sometimes he's just streaming things, and I'll just tune in, and uh, he's playing it, and it was pretty. It looked pretty good. It looked like a fun game. It looks like uh, you can have up to ten hours of content though with all the different divergent branches of story that you could have a part of okay. it. Um, which I didn't think... I knew that that was in the first game a little bit, because I know that they had other modes that you can um, unlock as you beat the games. But, also, um, worth noting, the first yeah. game was like a Kickstarter bonus thing. Yeah, that's like, what I was actually going to ask you too, but I confirmed that in my head. Yeah, the first one was Kickstarter bonus. This one's just completely... Like, hey, that was popular enough on its own that they're like, we could make another one of those. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually really impressed with the uh, the first one, too, so I was really overjoyed to hear that they were making the second one. This one, see, it's so funny because the plot is so fucked for Bloodstained that the first Curse of the Moon is pretty much not even a prequel. It's kind of like a what-if. And then the main game happens, and the main game itself is a wackadoo kind of thing. It, like, it doesn't map up to Curse of the Moon in a lot Isn't of different ways. Isn't original Curse of the Moon supposed to be a prequel to Bloodstained? That's, see, that's what I thought going in, but there's a lot of story elements in Bloodstained that does not ring Line true. Up. Like, the, the, the storylines with the characters from Curse of the Moon, it, it can't and be. And Ritual of the... and Yeah. Like, it can't be. There's no way. Like, some, some characters' paths in the game or their backstory having it explained, you're thinking, well, that didn't happen when I played this game, so that's why... Curse of the Moon now, I just admit, I or at least in my head, it exists in its own pocket dimension, and I'm totally fine with that. Just let it go. I, Fair I, enough. Like, Castlevania was not one. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Castlevania's actually had a pretty tight storyline for a lot of its history. I can't really say that they've ever... Ladies and gentlemen, Castlevania, Legacy of Shadows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, yes. And hey, Legacy of Shadows had an excellent story. I don't even care. I'm just saying that in their previous games, things have been pretty tight. Before they started going a little nutty. Toy, like a toy getter. Like Lament of Innocence, Curse of Darkness. They, they all had their very nice storylines that panned out. Even to the um, Game Boy games. I loves me a good Aria of Sorrows. Yeah, I mean, at least it's no Hyrule Historia where they just said, fuck it. 
Link's Link's on three diverging branches now. We'll figure and, this uh, out later. Yeah, we'll do this later. I can only imagine every time I ever read the Hyrule Astoria that uh, the team and Miyamoto just looked at this thing, sprawled out a big ancient blueprint kind of scripture out, and they just said, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> just looking like, at it going, what oh, do we do? Okay, this is kind of a mess. <laughs> it was like one thing that the fans demanded that genuinely I still think should not have been a part of it. Thing, just it's let so die. ridiculous. I, and I bought it. I own it. It's not Wind Waker was the best that I was ever going to get I in terms of uh, history and story. I love Wind Waker. Well, Wind Waker does its best to, like... Th- that's the thing. Like, if you think of Zelda as, like, pocket dimensions, the Wind Waker has a great lore for its pocket dimension. Yes. Yes, it does. But then just leave it alone after that. You don't need to... But then it has to be me. like they had to turn it into like this whole well. The history of Wind Waker is Ocarina if Link loses. Yeah, like, and the first Zelda is not even the first on the totem pole. It's like actually one of the last adventures that he it's, has. It's one of the it's one of the diverging timelines. I it is yes, yeah. and then uh, I think uh, Link uh, Legend of Zelda Two Link's Awakening. No, I'm sorry, Link, the Adventure of Link or something like that's the last game. Is it Min- isn't Minish Cap like one of the first games? I believe so, yes. Skyward Sword, I know, is the first game. Yes, um, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Like, they were pitching it as that when they made it. Like, it's about the creation of Ganon. This is why This is why I'm telling you, man. Sometimes I think it's just easier to play a game and just say, well, that was a cool little what-if scenario. Like, you know, like, just let it... That was a fucking... Like, Majora's Mask is my favorite Zelda. And I think of it as nothing more than a nice little what-if scenario. Because what you want to know what the last game in Majora's boy. Mask timeline was? The Four Swords. And that doesn't make, and you know what, just, no. no. I like Four Swords. Four no, swords no, good. I adore the Four Swords. But when we're talking about story, I like what? three of them. <laughs> what? Like what, at the end of the Majora's Mask, we lead into Twilight Princess, and then, oh, it's the Four Swords. No, just let it go. The Wizard body. I know who the Wizard is, alright? I know who the Wizard is. <laughs> and then the Wizard body appeared before Link, and he said, I'm the Wiz, and nobody beats me. <laughs> and then in the other ones, uh, with Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks, I know for a fact. They just said, fuck it, it's the same style and the same, just throw it, it's got <laughs> the it same in the same art, time. Yeah. Just get it in there, because well, it makes no sense otherwise. Don't those, aren't those technically, like, direct, like, weren't they planned as direct sequels to Wind yeah. Waker? Like, isn't it the same Link? Yeah, it's the same exact one. But they just, okay. those were, I know for a fact, just made as, like, additional stories in that little world. And they were like, you know what? Timeline. Throw it. Put it in. Just put it in. Get it in there. F- fair enough. All right, I'll run us through the drop real quick now that we've segued onto that. Uh, okay, what's coming to console and PC this goddamn week? Ooblets comes to PC and Xbox One on July 15th. I plan on playing that. That game looks Ooblets. charming as fucking hell. Um, Bounty Battle comes to PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on July 16th. Hunting Simulator 2, the sequel, <laughs> comes to PC on July 16th. Never Song comes to PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on July 16th. Radical Rabbit Stew comes to PC, PS4, Xbox, and Switch on July 16th. Drake Hollow comes to PC and Xbox on July 17th. Ghost of Tsushima makes its way to PS4 July 17th. Paper Mario and the Origami King comes to Switch on July 17th. And Into the Radius hits PC on July 20th. That's a good drop. That's a good, good week, I have to say. Fucking really drop. excited for Hunting Simulator 2. Yeah, you've been waiting it's for about, this All one. I have to say is it's about time. Uh, yeah, no, that's, no, that's the Crash game. Origami King, I don't know what I can say. I'm just gonna say, I hope, uh, I hope you live up to some hype here. You gotta know when to fold them. You gotta know when to fold them. I, uh, 
I was genuinely thinking the other day with the Origami King's release, you're going to have the, the subset of people who are not going to like it by default or even buy it because it's not Thousand Year Door. And then I was Correct. thinking, you know. I'm going to play Thousand Year Door. <laughs> yeah, but also that, I don't think, I don't know if Nintendo's ever going to go backward because you know what? They won't. Square Enix hasn't with Final Fantasy. And because of that, I also don't think that Nintendo should just to automatically fold and go back to that. Those either. people who want a Thousand Year Door, I say to you, go play Bug Fables. Yeah, that's true. That, that's true, too. No, but, and you know, I, I don't blame people for wanting more of the same kind of formula if it works so well. I really don't. But as I was even playing Remake a lot of the time, I was really resistant to the change where Square Enix finally just said, you know what? Starting with, uh, what, 12, if it was even? They were just like, we're not going to have the same formula for the game. Like, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to change We're it. trying new stuff, yeah. And I really did not like it for quite some time. But I even after don't. playing no. uh, Remake and um, even some of 15, I really like the changes that they make to a lot of their games. Totally. I like seven's com- Seven Remake's combat better than 15's, uh, yeah. but I did like 15's. And I think that, you know, Paper Mario has had some stumblings, but at least they're continuing the IP. They could have just said, fuck it. Yeah. But uh, and Nintendo some credit there. Nintendo is want to innovate, so they don't really move backwards. And I'll even say, go to the Superstar Saga series. That, that I, gotta give, I gotta give Alpha Dream credit. Maybe this is a reason why they went bankrupt. I don't know the logistics of all that, but they stuck to their guns and just kept making the same fucking game with different story. So... You know, it's apparently not like they that stopped. doesn't work. They just move their, they just move the formula to another IP of game. So apparently that doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> apparently that didn't work. Yeah, I know that's true. Uh, hmm. there's not a whole lot of news going around, so I figured we could talk about that Ubisoft conference because we both or just, just Ubisoft it. as a whole. Ubisoft as a whole is just yeah, it's a nebulous. Well, there, force. there's a lot to unpack that, but we should talk about the the good stuff, which is they talked about some of their fucking games. Yeah, what was um, it called? Uh, Ubisoft Forward? Yeah. I already saw a meme that said Ubisoft for what? <laughs> for Ubisoft what? for what? <laughs> and then it goes... Uh, but I took some notes here during this. Um, they opened the show with uh, a, a bigger look at the gameplay of Watch Dogs Legion. Uh, which I feel like they've been dark on since last E3 for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they kind of went into actually showing us what they meant last year by that whole play is anybody thing. Uh, and I think that does look appealing to me because Watch Dogs 2 was a good game. But now they kind of showed you the profile of uh, going in and recruiting these like NPC characters in the world. And then everyone has like a different skill set for tackling any mission you want to tackle with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like heavy stealth based characters. There was a character that was a literal hitman. Um I think I personally will be tackling every mission as the construction worker with the nail gun. <laughs> just just going to throw it all on the table, huh? Yeah. He wrote, <laughs> he wrote a big construction drone, and he just sh- was shooting dudes with a nail gun. <laughs> I have to say, after watching it, I uh, I was kind of bought into it more a little bit. I never got into Watch Dogs, but um, this one Watch Dogs 1 bad, good. Watch Dogs 2 good. Yeah, um, yeah, I always heard that too. My favorite thing to do in Watch Dogs 2 would be to climb into a scissor lift and just hack it and drive it around the city, moving it up and down and terrifying the citizens while listening to uh, the dead Kennedys. Ah, of course. Just let that happen. That sounds... Actually, that sounds fantastic. I uh, I always saw Watchdog as um 
Watch Dogs as a game that could never live up to its own its own hype. Because I always remember when the first one was showcased, and I know first one bad two is actually good because it's finding a stride, and I bet you three is going to be even better. It, it um, looks it. Two is sorry, two Legion is good. Be better. I've two has been free multiple times at this point. Like I recently got the PC version for free. Um, oh so yeah, I, and I don't think I ever finished it, so I might end up diving back into it because I really did like two. Um, also, Watch Dogs has weirdly been like if you search the internet and search things later in the game. They've weirdly been, like, trying to hint since the inception of the second game that it is set in the same world as Assassin's Creed, but modern day. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I, I'm not gonna no, potentially. There's, like, it, no, it's weird shit. Like, they're almost trying to imply that I think the hacker group it has, like, ties to the Assassins. I, uh, that's, that's a nice little fan fiction that they're writing it's, there. That's exactly what it. it is. Like, I kind of, every once in a while I'll check, like, a Reddit thread because I enjoy the people that are, like, so into that idea. That's fine. At least some people are enjoying it. I don't know. When I think about that, I'm like, eh, that seems, uh, that seems like a lot. Also, Watch Dogs 2 had a mission where you infiltrate Ubisoft headquarters. That's pretty funny. I remember when they first showcased the first one, though, uh, and they kind of were like, yo, you can hack anything. I was like, well, that can't be true. And then it turned out the first one dropped, and that was not true. And I was just like, ah... Um, so I never It was more true that. in the second one. Yeah, and then I saw in the second one they really tried to kind of double up on that and really try to make good on their promise there, or at least their expectation that they set out upon the consumer public. Uh, and then Legion, though. See, I always think that games are interesting when they do this. I feel like Saints Row does this. Some other, like Far Cry has even done this, too. There's always that shift into the absurd that these games eventually take. And that is truly when I think that the game hits its stride and becomes yes. fun. Like, it, it, it finally stops gets to... its head out of its own ass, because I, from what I've seen in the first iteration, I don't know how Watch Dogs 2 even ends, or even how the story is structured, but the first ones just seemed really serious, and you couldn't really do everything that you wanted, and from what I've read, the story wasn't that great either. So, what do they yeah. do with it? They decide to kind of launch into something that's a little bit more zany, but kind of still in their pocket world, and... Still make good on it, but offer so much more variety and just enjoyment out of it. And well, I think that's so funny and cool because it's going to save the IP. It really will. It's going to end up doing what well. I think, uh, that's what I think Watch Dogs 2 started because it's the thing. And you can look at that timeline. Watch Dogs 1 came out and it was this game that was like, you're a part of this hacker group trying to put the man down. It took itself super seriously. And then Watch Dogs 2 turned that into like, yeah, you're this hacker group, like hacktivist group. But also, we're like crazy taggers, and we do all this wacky shit, and then yeah, exactly. Legion seems to be turning that up to 11. Which, which I did, yeah, they're like, look at this grandma, you could recruit her. Like, I, I'm totally down with all that, I, I give, I give a lot of prompts, to, and I'm not telling everybody to, I don't know, fucking make a Plague's Tale a joke, like they make a Plague's Tale too. Well, the, the surface is in town, it's just... a time and place for certain things. Yeah, yeah. Watch Dogs 2 has a character that is constantly wearing this giant face visor that just displays emoticons. And uh, I saw the guy with the pig helmet or the pig mask. It's like you, you're presenting a game where you can truly just hack anything. That's kind of what on the surface you're trying to present here. You can get kind of wacky with that. So they, they do that. And I'm totally down with it. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I, I, I got to give him props. I'm going to keep my eye on Legion, maybe the first Watch Dogs game I actually buy, but uh, it's, it's looking decent. The one that I, um, of course, was most interested in, as well as I guess anybody else's, because they really didn't showcase too much, was uh, Far Cry 6. Yes. Uh, uh, that game looked really good. 
yeah totally we got that tease at the end uh this had already leaked a few days prior but it just you know reaffirming that we got like this little dramatic cinematic intro uh it's set in cuba yep from the look of things uh i still don't fully understand like i'm not sure who the player character is gonna be like is it that kid oh i don't know i gotta be honest i don't know because it could be like kind of a uh timeline is, kind of deal i don't know just it. like is that like an intro and then the actual game starts like years later and you're the kid or what i don't know because then why would you put him on the cover art that's what i'm confused about like and actually far cry's always kind of been about putting its villains on the cover art yeah i mean john carla come on oh like, my god he's and he fucking in that trailer alone like he again video game or tv or movie he's fucking he's a steen ceiling actor this man just oozes a menacing air and it i, I can only imagine i've seen so many interviews with him too he's such a likable guy and he just respects the craft so much of acting and he just seems so down to earth but every time he's on screen and the camera's rolling he is always the most intimidating presence i watch he, it, it's crazy that's just it he has a presence that is like unmatched so he's a perfect villain i don't even care if it was leaked or spoiled because it was i go fine well, he, i was excited been- He'd been talking for a while and saying, like, oh, he's part of a AAA game project. He just can't say what it is yet. And now we're like, oh, it's Far Cry. That's cool, because the past, like, four Far Cry games have all been about, like, making these super bombastic villains. So yeah. if he's going to be that super bombastic villain, that's awesome. Oh, for sure. And, uh, I mean, even, what was he in Payday 2? Has the dentist in that one DLC? He's like, I want yeah, my yeah. Payday 2. And I I'm want like, my Payday. Man. 2. Nice. Yeah, I was like, nice. I always like when he's in things. So, uh, I'm, I mean, honestly, from what I've seen, I had never been, I was even telling you earlier before we even did this, I had never really played a lot of Far Cry's other I than Blood Dragon really and some others. I really liked 3 and 4. Uh, 5 didn't really hit for me, but I, I think I told you, I, I think that was the setting. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think I ever, I think I more so just always read about them. It was my younger brother who was more so in the Just Cause slash Far Cry kind of, uh, yeah, where he just idea. loved just messing around and doing a bunch of stuff. Blood Dragon, I think I played from start... To, Blood Dragon's a part of the, the very, very, very short list of games I played from start to finish in one day from, like, 15 hours straight and just beat it all. Oh, it's a game for that. Um, It was so good. So, honestly, from what I'm seeing here, the game looks really good, and it's in Cuba. Yeah, totally. It is so, in Cuba. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start some stuff in Cuba. Why not? You know what I was thinking back to again. Like, I hope they do some great villain work again. My favorite of their bombastic villains was the the villain. I, I believe his name is Ming, of uh, Far Cry Four. Because if you remember, a lot of people talking about this. That game opens with you sort of being like brought to a dinner with him, and uh, he asks you to. He's like, I gotta go grab something. Wait right here. I'll be right back. Um, and then that's when the game starts. Like that's when you're supposed to start exploring his residence. But if you actually just wait there for 30 minutes, he comes back, and then he gets you on a chopper so you can leave in the credits roll. Cool. I dig it. I think there was, like, achievement just called, like, thanks for waiting. (laughs) Thanks for waiting, man. Um, Uh, But, yeah, Far Cry. That's cool. Uh, They showed a Splinter Cell game for phones. That looks like it sucks. I I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe, Maybe there is a Splinter Cell game in development, and they just don't want to talk about it. I don't know. That's what my gut tells me, because I think corporations they got they got to have fucking foresight into this. They they can't. But then again, I think a blizzard. You can't really tell me that. First of all, we haven't had a Splinter Cell in seven years. I think the last one was literally 2013. 
And was, was that Conviction or was there one after that? I think that's no. There had to be one after Conviction. Uh, one second. I know there was, was con- one. Conviction. Blacklist. The, Blacklist yes, was the last one. I was gonna say it was Conviction, um, just the last one I played, where you slam those dudes' heads into a urinal. Yeah. Blacklist was pretty much it. That was the last Splinter Cell game we had, and it. I. I don't know. I honestly expected even Chaos Theory to get a remaster or something. It's just, I'm so surprised that they always just go, "Yo, you want Splinter Cell?" We got one for you. It's the mobile game. And you're just thinking... Right, and it's not yeah. even really a Splinter Cell game. It's just like a game that happens to have Sam Fisher in it. And it looks so action-y. I don't know. I don't know. It's like one of those games that just... You're thinking that's not even Splinter Cell. Not even in terms of the title. It's just like, in the spirit of the game itself, is it really? Like, nah. No, it's definitely not. So it's I'm called, hoping that uh, they're actually developing one. They just can't share it, but... Who's to say? Blizzard did the same shit, but they were doing. They do, They were making Diablo three. I mean Diablo That's four. True. So who's? I don't know. Who's but, to say? Uh, that game is called Tom Clancy's Elite Squad. Tom Clancy's Elite Squad. It, it sounds like its own game. Just let it go. Uh, beyond that, Hyperscape is in open beta right now. Uh, I still do want to try that. Yeah. And now it's an open beta, which I knew I wasn't going to watch. After uh, the whole Valorant deal where you had to watch it on stream to really get the key, I wasn't going to do that again. I'm never yeah, going to yeah. do that again. I'm not worth the effort, but now I will try it. Yeah. Um, um, I, I'm definitely going to give it a shot. Just, to, yeah, I'm a big fan of that Tron kind of aesthetic there. So uh, It's literally like, I think they just like finished watching watching Ready Player One while they were stoned, and were like, let's do that. Yeah. And uh, they just want to get into it. I'm so curious to see what the last battle royale type of game is going to be it's going to be and when uh, it will just end cubert battle royale 99 <laughs> cuberts drop onto a stack of blocks honestly i'm in that that's what i kind of mean like you remember tetris tetris, tetris kind of took it and so was like good. yeah here's a battle royale for it but i mean like the kind of battle royale where you go in you got a bunch of guns and you just gotta go the kind of rock, the fps battle royale rock battle royale 100 uh, gobos. <laughs> I, if only. If only. You know, I truly wonder if uh, the director, I, I'm going to botch his name, apologies. I think his name is Fukazaku, the original director for Battle Royale. I wonder if he even knew. If he even knew what he would wreak upon this world. That's a good movie. It is. But what? at what cost? <laughs> Yeah, but it took them forever to come up with this idea afterwards. So, like, can we really blame him? No, I don't blame him at all. I don't blame him at all. He even based it... Listen, you want to really get into it, that was based on a book. So, I don't yeah. blame anybody. It's just... Except the author of that book. I blame it just, him. No. <laughs> you know, it just morphed into something that's just so wild. And now we have battle royales for everything. I, and way, this is coming from someone who really fucking likes Warzone. I, th- I don't think we mentioned this. The one... Uh, we did get a release date for Far Cry, which is February 18th. Oh, of yeah, uh, which I'm pretty hyped for. And if you get the collector's edition, you get a flamethrower. Flamethrowers are cool. Yeah. Uh, the last sort of big thing was we got a pretty extensive gameplay look at Assassin's Creed Valhalla. You get, uh, a, de- you get a demo, too, in November, right? Yes, yes, dem- demo in November. Yeah. Um, that Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay had me going, man, Assassin's Creed's still pretty good. Uh, I am an advocate supporter of one of the things they showed off there was... Uh, the, the way the combat's going to work, and that you could basically dual-wield anything you feel like, and they went out of their way to go, that includes two shields, and they just showed <laughs> this Viking just bashing people's heads with a shield on each arm. 
which and, I ever since Dark Souls I'm totally for. Give me which, the double shield gameplay. Yeah, double shield is hilarious, and I staunchly support it. I'm in. That still I'm looks in. good. That looks good. Uh, like it's, it's set in Europe. You're a Viking clan looking to make a new home. It looks like you could straight up pull your boat onto a settlement and blow your Viking horn to start a raid. Uh, burn down some buildings. You know, do Viking shit. Which, let it happen. Let's do it. I uh, I'm totally hyped for that game. Um, and I have not been hyped for an Assassin's Creed game in forever. I really liked Odyssey, and I'm excited for this one. Awesome. Can't wait. Uh, but other than that, with the with the Ubisoft, that, that's really it. Yeah, that's pretty I think much, that's truly, yeah. that's that's it. And after I watched it, I was like, well, it's kind of like, all right, all right. Like, I was, I was, like, I was, a, little, I was a little okay. They forgot, to, they forgot to mention Mario Rabbids too. I know. I remember you told me, you said, what kind of blood sacrifice will I have to make to get Mario Rabbids 2? And the answer is, it was not enough. I wanted more. a full-blown sequel like that Donkey Kong Rabbids uh, expansion. I can't wait to play this game finally one day and just say, wow, this is worth everything and more. I really want you to play, especially because, like I said, that expansion that adds a Cranky Kong Rabbit to your party. I just want to play it for the soundtrack, too. It's a good soundtrack. I've listened that's to it a, outside of it, too. That's a good vinyl, baby. It's a good old Kirk Hope special. It's got um, a textured mustache on that vinyl cover. The only other showcase I'm thinking that comes to mind other than the Summer of Games was uh, Xbox's showcase in, I think, two weeks. Yeah, and Devolver's or Give or take less than two weeks. Stuff. Yeah, Devolver had their conference, or their. I, I'm I'm just gonna call. It, I'm gonna say Devolver showed their, uh, Devolver their latest had, episode or whatever had, it is. Had their art installment. Yeah, they had their own art installment again. Um, they actually you have can a tell game. How much money these guys are making now? <laughs> totally. The, the production's the production just gone through the roof. This recent showcase was insane. Uh, I actually implore anyone because it is the most surreal experience I've ever had in my life. Let me just verify what the name of this fucking thing is. Um, if you go on Steam right now, uh, there is a game, a free game out called Devolver Land Expo. Yep. It's an FPS where you explore an abandoned E3 and are force-fed, uh, trailers for Devolver games. Yeah, and, um, I watched some people playing on stream too, and, uh, it's made by the same devs I think that made Shadow Warrior. Um, it's just, it's just insane. It's just an insane game that people just made at the time, and it looks really good, actually. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. I, I Devolver is very unconventional in their marketing, and I, I still appreciate it quite a bit. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I don't even know what's next from them. I'm always just so interested in their games. Shadow Warrior looked good. It is a game that I just have no interest in whatsoever, but it looks really cool. I gotta give them that. Um... But the more Devolver Expos I see with just all the games that they're releasing, it's insane. It's insane how many games are under that hood. Um, I gotta give them props, though. They they start off with... I don't even know. I actually haven't even researched the company too much, but they start off with some games that, uh, you know, that you've heard of, and then they were just like, oh, yeah, like, Devolver's pretty cool, and then they just exploded. They were kind of what I always think of what Adult Swim Games wants to be. Yeah, but they, they kind of like, already got there first, so now they are Adult Swim games. They are the actualization of that. Like they were, yeah. they they would always be. I remember like when working for Destructoid and stuff, their conference would always be at like one o'clock in the morning, and I would be like the last writer up, like willing to watch this thing and write about it, and just insane shit would be happening. Yeah, and then you're wondering like, is it me? But um, 
it always is. Every time I watch them, I'm like, gee, this reminds me of how Adult Swim, just when they first went to just the absolute absurdity. And uh, they just embraced it full force. And then Adult Swim Games, even though they're also publishing a lot of good indie games themselves, I never get the same. I feel like even if they start doing it, I'd be like, oh, this is just... uh, It's they're trying to. It's just Devolver. Yeah. I also want to give a quick shout out to um, uh, Jeff Keighley's uh, Half-Life Alex Final Hours. It's something that I'm going to be going through this week, but it's essentially just a uh, kind of a... I don't want to call it a documentary, but it, it kind of is. Um, it's kind of an interactive story just to go into Valve Software and how they kind of went into the return of Half-Life and how that development cycle started. And well, it's more, I don't want to call it a documentary because it kind of is, but it's more interactive when you're going through it. Um, but from what I've seen, it's so incredibly interesting because Val- the way that Valve works is just such a strange open space that... You honestly just don't know how they, how the fuck they even do what they do, and uh, then they come out with banger products like Alex. So I'd recommend it. It's it's ten dollars. Um, Check it out. I think it's pretty damn cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, while we're doing shout outs, shout out to other podcasts, other people in restrooms and airports making podcasts. What? <laughs> In restrooms and air... Why can't you just say from the comfort of their homes? I don't know. I don't know where people... Shout out to other people who are speaking every day. Um, Just like us. I hear you. Uh, I'm going to... Since I think we're getting close to wrap up here, I'm going to do a random plug. You can read my words about games again. Very exciting. Congratulations. I know, right? I've been waiting. Uh, You can go to swordchop.com where I'm putting up reviews once more. Just like the olden days when Ma and Pa used to write about Tetris by candlelight. This is true. By inked quill. Yes, because remember, Pogs go into the intricacy of puzzles and how sometimes a line piece just does not show up as often as he wanted it to. The hero. Yeah, the true hero. Oh, I love the fake names for the Tetris pieces. I, I even love how a lot of different outlets. Rammed it, it like it was a real yeah, story. took it as the source of truth. I was and that almost, was actually what it was supposed to be. I was always like disappointed in it because I would have made them like weirder than they even did, and some of them were like I would have sh- I would have shown like that LPs and just been like Justin. Yeah, it's Justin. Don't worry about it. Well, it's like uh, Pac Man, Inky Blinky, uh, something in Sue. You were just like, oh, oh yeah, yeah it's all right, Inky Blinky, uh, El Inky. Diablo, and Sue. Yeah, <laughs> Diablo, Beelzebub, and Sue. Um, so it's, not sure too, it's not too Sue. unbelievable, but yeah, that's pretty cool. I uh, I read the review. Thank you. I liked it. There's a few a few up there right now. Uh, Last of Us, Man Eater, Bug, just things I've been working on over the past two weeks as we've been redesigning the site. Uh, but that's all live now, and there's going to be content going up there regularly. Nice. So nice, fun. Nice, nice. Fun. 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 Uh, you got any other big things, or should I roll us on out of here? Honestly, no, not really. I think. Uh, Everybody keep wearing those masks and keep your nose to the grindstone, you know what I mean? Kind of. I, I didn't know what I was going for there either. A little but bit. Yeah. Uh, I just saw some uh, other screenshots of these Legion pictures, and uh, I kinda, I'm kind of i going to double down on what I said about stepping into the absurdity. because The absurdity is important. Oh, look, somebody wrote, sorry, I don't know what you call this, but I'm really tired of whatever this look is. And you know what? That's what I'm saying. Sometimes these games just adopt this... This look, this aesthetic saying, yo, it's fucking insane. Oh, you, you know what I forgot to talk about, too? Fucking my favorite bit of that was, and I don't know if this is a gameplay thing, and I hope it's in there, 
is when they were like jumping around between the characters you could play as. One of them was a guy named Mickey who was just like a, a drunk soccer fan. And he's in the middle of starting a mission and he beats up two guys and then he's just so drunk he passed out and they switch to another character. <laughs> like, I hope that's a gameplay mechanic. <laughs> Watch it happen. Uh, but you know what? I'm not tired of that kind of style. Keep it going. I'll never. Like there's it. there's not enough of it, to be quite honest with you. Not enough of I'm it done you, well. There's only a handful of games that truly dive into all that absurdity with that kind of cyberpunky feel to it. Just... Ever since Quicksilver uh, got the rights to Saints Row back, I'm still hoping for Saints Row 4 because Agents of Mayhem was not that. Yeah. Well, Saints Row, I can't say because I've never really, I've never played Saints Row, but oh my God. I, I've read that people so were saying that Saints Row good. 1 and 2 had elements of being kind of absurd in itself. 2 started to be a little bit absurd. And then I would 3 say just one, took it all. I would say 1 wasn't at all, and anybody that tells you that 1 was absurd is like, yeah, there was a wacky joke here or there, but it was a very, like, gangster aesthetic. In fact, it's, there's a, uh, there's a mission in 4, uh, because 4 gets purely absurd with you being in a simulation and there's time machines at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, where you go back to Saints Row 1 and you're literally in the map from Saints Row 1 of Stillwater and you're running around and the boss is like what the fuck is this? Why were we like this? <laughs> I love it. It's just uh, like how, how, wait, yeah, why? Exactly, it's like, eh, maybe. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm for it. Let it keep happening. But this totally. week, next time, we may talk about Ghost of Tsushima. I may not buy it right away, but uh, I may look it up, check it out. Yeah, we'll see, we'll so see where we're nice. We'll see where we're at there. But I'm going to roll this right into housekeeping. Uh, big thank you to Heather Ramos for our wonderful artwork. And a thanks to Ed Biquette for that beautiful, beautiful intro. Hit us up on the Twitters. I am at the Rich Meister Zero. You are at beautiful underscore Eric. Uh, send us emails, geckogamespodcast at gmail.com. We'll answer your questions on the show. Until next time. Right. Our pleasure. Have a good one. Yeah.